right, let's get our newbies pulled up here. We have an action-packed episode to get to, so I'm going to introduce all of you at once this time, and then we will just jump right into it because I don't want to waste a single second. So welcome, John, Lottie, and Trisha to episode six of our newbie discussion. Hello. So this week, it was very refreshing, in my opinion, to watch one storyline play out. We got to follow the Southlanders from start to finish. Um, It felt very coherent. It was exciting. So much happened. Um, We also blended two storylines. The Numenorians rescued, came to the rescue of the Southlanders um, in what seemed like a triumphant moment. But alas... Um, we had a certain mountain erupt at the very end. So eager to get your one-word reactions, let's start with John this week. Oh, I'm, I'm going to have to be a little cheeky and say explosive. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Explosive, yes. Um, any ideas? I'm I, In the spirit of being spoiler-free, do we know which mountain exploded? Can we Surely. say that? Mount Doom? Surely. It's Mount be, Doom. It's, all right, good. It's got to be Mount all right. Doom, right? <laughs> We're tracking. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. All right, Lottie, let's go to you. Okay, this week I picked an actual, like, reaction word because <laughs> the last couple of weeks I always kind of, I think I summarized the, the episode more, but this time I went with roller coaster because I was locked in. I was sitting next to Ez. We were watching the episode, and I was just, like, commentating the whole time like no no he can't do that oh my god what's happening i can't watch that oh look at those two they're cute and then oh i think i'm crying so yeah that was like a really really fun episode for me to watch yes a lot of peaks and valleys a lot of emotional <laughs> roller coaster <laughs> all right how about you trisha uh my word's very similar i'm just gonna go with twisty uh there were some some reversals here that I actually didn't see coming. Um, I don't know. This show felt like a show or it like, it felt like a sequence from a movie almost, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we can get into it, but it reminded me so much of Helm's Deep. Uh, And I was like one of, it's one of the best sequences of the original trilogy. And I was just like, this is the kind of, um, this is the kind of narrative cohesion that I've been longing for the entire show. Like, I feel like up until this episode, this felt so much like a TV show to me. And, you know, by its nature, it ha- it's an ensemble TV show, which means mm-hmm. it's kind of scattered. Um, and the way that it's intercut, we don't get to spend a lot of time in any one of the storylines, which, again, makes it feel maybe uneven. But with this episode, I was like, yes, it's a whole episode that's a whole sequence it's a big battle and then it's got twists and turns and um it just yeah it felt like a movie actually for the first time uh, in a way that i really enjoyed yes it was a very cinematic episode it was directed by charlotte brandstrom so we got a different director this time mm-hmm. and i think that this was a very artistic episode there were a lot of scenes and shots that were very visually beautiful to me um but let's start right from the beginning with that opening shot of adar you know planting the seeds into the ground and Actually, my uh, co-host, Mike, pointed out that this shot, this whole scene where he's planting the seeds and then he walks up and gives the speech to the orcs is the is a, it blocked the exact same way that the scene from the previous episode was blocked when you had Bronwyn walking up the steps to give deliver a rallying cry uh, to her people. Um, so let's start with this scene. Um, thoughts, reflections, ideas about Adar. Um, Lottie, let's go to you. Yeah. Um, so I just, I'm just going to start talking a little bit in general about Adar and his yeah. relationship to the orcs. Cause it's this episode is very interesting. Um, what we hear and later on his conversation with Galadriel and everything, but we can see he, he wants to be a creator of something. He, mm. the orcs are almost, they are his babies if you want and and we see yeah and yeah babies is maybe not the right word but um also i was wondering uh question for everyone are there female orcs because he says brothers and sisters and i was wondering you know if uh 
yeah if if there's a great question but what does everybody think (laughs) i mean that was my exact reaction when he said that i was like i'm sorry women orcs what and then i wondered if he was addressing also the villagers right like i we know that there were our female villagers yeah um that were probably there so i i kind of supposed he went with that um I don't know how orcs are made. <laughs> I know how yeah. the Urukai from the new, uh, from the original trilogy are made. It involves trees and uh, some kind of Big industrial process. Sex. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but they don't seem like they don't seem like they are uh, born per se uh, from like female counterparts in their species um but i don't know anything about these orcs and so i kind of assumed that he was talking to the female villagers but i could be wrong okay no yeah that's a good point actually trisha i think you you might be right and i think because they actually took in the villagers because some of us probably expected oh they might you know um give up and and say here we are we you know devote ourselves to you guys but then they're gonna just kill them because but they didn't. They took them in. They 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 made them one of them. Well, so that was pretty interesting. And then kind of sent them all to their deaths. But I know. Yes, but sure. <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah, I like that you pointed out, Lottie, that Adar is in some ways a creator, right? They're they're continuing playing with him as a character. Is he light? Is he dark? He is both. Um, And you see this in a lot of the cinematography. There's always a beautiful combination of light and darkness anytime that he's in the frame, um, which I absolutely love. But to me, this makes him such a wonderful villain because (laughs) there is that there is that question mark with him. And we got so much more information about him this this time. So we can definitively say this is not Sauron. Um, did this come as a surprise to any of you, his backstory, and what did you think about it? I think only what John has to say. Oh, sorry. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, no, it's ahead, okay. John. He's just sitting there looking like he's got a thought. Um, I, I honestly thought that he'd be some incarnation of Sauron. Um, I like I said I don't know much about the lore, what's supposed to happen, or what 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 this is based on. But when I found out that he was an elf that turned to evil, so to speak, but he doesn't seem totally evil. He seems more like um, he just he was disenfranchised. I guess is the best way to put it. I think with his people and w- with the way they wanted to do things, and he found something he liked better, which to me is the best of a villain. Um, I like a villain that has reasons, that has a that, that has a backstory that you can sympathize with, and I kind of hope he sticks around longer. I, I like I don't want to see him be a, a one shot just for the first season. Like he disappeared near the end of the episode, so there's, we're probably going to see him more. I hope, um, and I don't think he's going to be the big bad, but right now I think he's probably the most one of the most interesting characters in the show. I'd say top mm. three for me. I totally agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, can I say something that might be from one of the later scenes or connect to one of the later oh, scenes? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Go, go off. Yeah. Because I was wondering, I agree, we have a villain that's very much, we can sympathize, sympathize with him, but I still am wondering, what is it that, what is that darkness? What is, what do the orcs or the orcs want? Like, what's their goal? What kind of um, mm-hmm. world do they want to create? Because I could sympathize with them even more if um, they had they actually had something, you know, that I could understand. Okay, why they want to create that kind of world? A reason, a real reason behind it, not just oh, we're also worthy to be here, to breathe, to live. But then they go kill everybody. Why? You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean that that's a that's a really good question understanding their motivations. I mean, <clears throat> the interesting thing about I think what we saw in this episode and that we haven't seen in in the Lord of the Rings in general was you almost you sympathize with the orcs and you sympathize with Adar wanting to give them a home, a homeland. Um so that's a, an interesting emotion to to wrestle with and also what that looks like and what that means is not totally clear. Um, We know that it means somewhere that will be covered in darkness, um, hence the eruption of, of Mount doom this week. But um, that the whole theme with the orcs and um, Adar is something really, really different and controversial. um, I would say in the Tolkien community right now, Um, 
no spoilers, but it's something that the professor himself really wrestled with the question of the orcs. So, um, yeah, it was a really, really uh, different theme than I was expecting. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed watching Adar kind of uh, verbally spar with Galadriel in that scene where we where we uncovered the truth about um, who he is, that he is an Uruk. Um, but what I'm curious to get your thoughts on it, Trisha. You look like you have something to say. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I also like him as a character. I think the performance is great. Um, and I think that it is probably the place in in the series where the themes are being explored most clearly in the text. Um, and I, I do think they're interesting, right? Like what does it mean um, to be evil or to be good? Um, I think that the reveal that he is not Sauron, he was like, I killed Sauron. I was like, oh, BS. <laughs> and yeah. so obviously so was Galadriel immediately. She was like, nah. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think that all of that uh, sort of, raises interesting thematic questions um and i agree that watching galadriel speak to him uh, it's kind of brought those things to a fine point or helped those themes kind of crystallize especially in that moment where she was like i will wipe you out from the face of the earth but i'll keep you alive and give you torture yeah i was like who's the dark one now all right (laughs) exactly well and and that's his response right he's pointing out that there is Um, a darkness inside of her. And we saw that that was the theme being raised uh, for her in the last episode. And so I like all of that, that that is being textually addressed and sort of discussed um, in their actions. Now, I think one thing the show is going to potentially have a hard time doing um, is revealing who Sauron actually is, because I'm starting to worry that it's Halbrand. And I... You and everybody else. (laughs) I know. And I'm just like, he doesn't seem powerful enough or ambitious enough. Like, he doesn't seem ambitious. Uh, And I'm just, I'm wondering how the show is going to do that in a way that doesn't feel cheap. Or like it's just being shocking or surprising for its own sake. Um, Like, I think when we get to that moment, we need to go like, of course, Right. There has to be something seated in there that pays off, um, which means it needs to be set up earlier. And I'm worried that there isn't enough set up. They're so concerned about shrouding Halbrand and mystery yeah. that the setups are not going to be there. And when you don't have the setups to justify the payoff, that's when we as an audience start to feel cheated or we roll our eyes. So best of luck to the show as we get closer to that moment and i could still be wrong about who it is i suppose but um i'm starting to get concerned that we're heading for a twist that doesn't feel earned yeah i i'm i'm worried that they're going to do a little montage of all the things that of fans, course they are uh, the, the fans missed you, you missed this and you're stupid so this is who it is um but they're going to be either completely inconsequential or so in your face that nobody thinks they're real all the way up through. They, they did it with Wheel of Time uh, when they revealed mm. Randall Thor's The Dragon Reborn. The little montage they did before that reveal was horrible. <laughs> it was it was badly done. Um, but I hope they handle it a bit better here. And, and like you said, I'm, I'm really hoping it's not Halbrand. I, I don't want it to be him um, just because it would be an easy choice, if that makes any sense. I'd rather it to be like Poppy or you know, <laughs> just just completely out of left field. Like in a mega twist. It. Yeah, and, it, <laughs> right. and it just just happens. But then and then th- there are small things seated in there that you can go, oh, of course. But like I said, I'm, I'm sure the Lord of the Rings fandom is picking every episode apart, frame by frame, trying right. to figure out who's who. Um, so there will be people who aren't surprised. Um, but... I, I hope it's done in a way that doesn't feel like, like Trisha said, cheap. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, the, the topic of conversation is certainly is how brands are on um, in the exchange that we got this episode with Galadriel. Um, people were also saying that seemed romantic to them. Like there was some romantic tension perhaps. Um, and also Halbrand became King once again, um, the king in the Southlands this episode. So his storyline is definitely going somewhere, but the question of his identity was, you know, for 
first front and center in this episode, you know, um, Adar asks him, you know, who yeah, are he you? Asked him several times. Who are <laughs> you? Like Albert doesn't answer him. So clearly, you know, this big mystery is going to um, be a major, major focus of the show. There, are, there are a lot, a lot of theories out there that I cannot go into. Oh, I'm sure the lore panel will go into those. I wish, <laughs> I wish I could. Um, <laughs> but for the sake of this panel, I'd like to uh, move to some of the other uh, elements of this show. It was a very uh, bloody episode, a little gory, um, really intense. I think it heightened the tension for me, um, particularly in the scene where the citizens, the villagers are being stabbed one at a time. Slowly. Oh, Slowly. God. Yeah. Slowly. It wasn't a quick thing. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, what did you all make of the pacing of the show and the, the sort of horror elements? I mean, did it work for you? Was it too scary? Was it too gory? I'd love to hear about that. Um, for me, I would say not too scary, not too gory. I think they they, they balanced or, or, or tread that line pretty well um, because it is supposed to be a, a fantasy show and the bad guys or the, the, the bad elements are supposed to be scary i mean they really are i mean if you're not scared of the orcs or if you're not worried about what's going to happen to the characters on screen when they're captured um there is some elements of, of good in adar in adar but i don't see it in the orcs yet and i don't think we will <laughs> so when they were killing the villagers and when they're having the battle and stuff i don't think it was over the top it was more like braveheart gore and not like evil dead gore if that makes any sense so mm -hmm. it was believable in the battles believable in, in the amount of blood and stuff they, they use but not too overboard i don't think even when there's blood gushing from the mega orcs eye that wasn't too much he gets stabbed in the eye of course there's gonna be blood and and and, and icker and all kinds of nasty stuff bleeding out of his face but i don't think it was too over the top no i don't agree i thought it was too much it didn't feel like it didn't feel like the original trilogy to me um, no no it, it did not at all there there is that I will it say felt sure. it felt gorier than that um and it felt like the visual effects and hair and makeup and costume and everybody got um i don't know they did amazing work this episode and mm -hmm. uh they really showed it off like there was just a lot of focus on those effects and they look amazing like I mean, I think that we could have calmed down with the black blood squibs. There was just so much of it. Mm -hmm. um, and just like the the coming out of the eye, I was like, okay, uh, okay. All right, everybody, calm down. <laughs> um, and then, of course, the, the arrow wound, like... I was like, wow, it's so nice that the orcs stopped sieging this this tavern for a few minutes yes, while we yeah. tended this arrow wound uh, very slowly and really showcased every moment of how you take an arrow out of somebody's shoulder and cauterize it with seeds. Um, I that I didn't dressing. really, yeah. I have field dressing questions about how that works. Um, but anyway, <laughs> look, I'm not I'm not here to nitpick the medical, uh, <laughs> like medical technology of Middle Earth. Um, but yeah, I just felt like they were uh, really lingering on some of those elements in this episode. And not so much the horror, but yeah, just the graphicness of the gore. I do wonder, um, I oh, and this is always my question is, is it serving the story? You know, I don't mm -hmm. mind, to your point, uh, John, I don't mind if there are stakes, right? Mm -hmm. if, if there's real death on screen, that is stakes. And I think that it's appropriate to have real death on screen and it can even be awful, right? Seeing villagers get stabbed is awful. Um, and mm -hmm. I, it does create that tension that you are going for, but it's how it's treated, um, how it's framed, how it's edited that really communicates, is it being gratuitous for its own sake because they are trying to be entertaining or is it really serving the story? And is it doing like as much mm -hmm. as it needs to do and no more? Um, or is it just mm -hmm. trying to, again, I, I think I mentioned this in the first episode of the second one, um, is this being being gory because being gory is trendy right now and it's trying to be a relevant trendy show and I, this episode I, kind of strayed into that territory for me i will say that i i will wholeheartedly agree there was probably an amazon exec with a clipboard on the side with an explosions per minute or a gallons per blood per minute metric there saying we have to meet this so more more <laughs> okay that's enough 
anymore it's an ma rating we can't do that and and we'll put more black blood in because the the, the not we can quite do, there yeah. for we can do that we can do more of that just like they did with werewolf by night they made black and white so it, they kept it under the ma rating because it was black and white they didn't show the color um i do agree that they probably did that because they know that eh, this is going to sell people are going to like this so we're going we're going to do that um yeah. i didn't so much because i really do enjoy horror movies and films especially a, a lot of the older ones from the, the 70s and 80s and they were just buckets of blood that's all they did um they didn't have much story um but yeah no i do agree with you that they probably someone probably somewhere said this is going to sell this will do really well for sort of a mid-season let's do this yeah mm -hmm. As you said, it was our Helm's Deep. Um, I want to go to Lottie. Lottie, thumbs up or thumbs down on the scene between Bronwyn and Arondir, where they finally share a glorious kiss neath the tree. I think I just made it obvious how I felt about that scene. But um, I'd, <laughs> I'd, love, <laughs> I'd no, yeah, love to I, get your thoughts on that scene. I like that scene a lot. I think they did a good job on that. It was not too cheesy. It was not. I, I liked um, that we get a glimpse of Aron Deer and his background as a planter and his knowledge about that. I like that he um, kind of wanted to promise her once this is all over, we're going to start finally, you know, we kind of confess our feelings here. Um, we're going to start living as a family, hopefully somewhere else. And then it's so sad because we know it's all going to, you know, it's not going to be that way for a long time if they both even survive and who knows what happens to Theo because um, I don't think he's done with the darkness yet. I, yeah, I, I get major like Anakin mm. vibes from Theo. Totally. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I love that scene. I love that scene near the tree. I think it looks super pretty. Um, also how the, yeah, yeah, you have it pulled up here. Um, I, I liked it. It was not too much for me uh, where they focused only on that. I thought it was well balanced. Yep. Totally agree. I feel like they made us wait for this uh, moment yep. and you see the desperation all over their faces that they want this future to come to pass. Um, so it was, it was a very satisfying scene, um, in my opinion, to get just a little bit more of their relationship, a little bit more of them one on one, finally getting to share a longer conversation. Um, do you guys have thoughts about this scene, John or Trisha? I, I liked it. Um, I like the fact that their relationship isn't front and center. It's not the core of their characters. I like that. It took till episode six for them to kiss on screen. Um, and there was always that tension between them. Um, but I'm also a big fan, fan of K-dramas. So I like like uh, Attorney Wu, Crash Landing on You, where it takes a slow burn of maybe seven or eight hours before the main characters even hold hands. Um, I enjoy that stuff. Um, so I, I really like that they leaned into that side of it with these two characters rather than uh, a lot of traditional stuff where it's, it's passion, passion, passion from the beginning. So I thought... Building up to this and having that small, sweet moment between the two of them was really, really well done. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have my same uh, questions about this relationship that I've had from the beginning, which is that it's no one has raised the point of like, hey, but also you're immortal and I'm not. Um, and this is also very socially taboo in our society. And um, I sort of wish that would have been said even even if they choose to ignore it like even if someone's like but what about well, i don't care well okay like hmm. even if that is where it goes i think it still needs to be a point that's raised because it explains why it's taken this long to get to this point hmm. and if hmm. you know if the point is well we're in the throes of battle now who knows if there's a tomorrow we might as well like be together then hmm. great but i just felt like it should have been said um hmm. i do appreciate bronwyn's cloak look at that Look at they, that. I was going to say, they oh, finally, she amazing, finally, yeah. got, <laughs> she finally yeah. got a cloak. I was like, yeah. wow, it actually doesn't look as cold in this scene, but at least she's got a, a cloak now. <laughs> uh, but I just, yeah, I don't, I, I'm, I'm mainly joking about that, but I just think it's, um, again, I want to know what the stakes of the relationship are, right? Mm -hmm. And if those stakes are going to be ignored because of the dire situation that they're in, then great but I want to know what they are or wish they'd been addressed. Um, and, and again, I do want to know how Theo fits into the whole picture. I agree with Lottie. I think, I think we're going to see more from Theo and his fascination with mm -hmm. evil or the darkness, if you will. Yeah, that was definitely, I like the comparison with Anakin. Um, he's an Anakin figure because Super he said, good, yeah. he says at the end, um, it's not just, you know, that I, feel ashamed or or 
these things. I felt powerful when I had this, this sword in my possession. Um, and speaking of the sword, I thought that was a pretty good twist that the sword was a key and that Waldrig plugs it in and, and Mount Doom erupts. I think that I, this was also something people were a little annoyed about. They didn't understand, um, you know, how this all went down. I wasn't very annoyed that we didn't get the the whole backstory of the creation of, of this, how Sauron went about it. Um, I thought it was kind of a cool twist. What did you guys think of this reveal and the way that Mount Doom was created, which was obviously the grand finale of this episode? I totally missed how Adar says to Waldrag, hey, I have a task for you. And we mm-hmm. watched the episode twice. I missed it twice. And then I was like, did he already? And we went back and as showed it to me he pointed out like there it is right when uh before the Numenorians arrive and I I just would have missed that a couple of times (laughs) but yeah I thought it was um I totally didn't expect it and I totally didn't expect to be to have a such a major event happen at the end of this episode again like a little cliffhanger yes but not this no not at all I was I didn't expect Mount Doom to be created this way, and I, and I wasn't upset at the way it was done. I'm I'm sure there's a whole lot of um, reasons why this shouldn't have happened, <laughs> um, but I wasn't upset. I mean, visually, it looked really really cool on the screen. What I was more upset about was how stupid the characters acted. Um, so Galadriel Halbred, uh, when they when they were chasing Adar, they were chasing him because he has an item that he they can't lose. Get the item. That's that's what's important. That's what that's what Arondir told them. Get the item. And they did, and they looked at it, and it's like, oh, it's wrapped in a cloak. We're okay. We're not going to open this for three hours. Um, <laughs> we're, okay, we're not yeah. going to check on this to make sure we have what we're supposed to have. And then Arondir hands it to Theo, and he opens it up, and it's, and it's the the axe. And I was like, I knew that was coming, because you, you, they set it up that you know they were going to give it to Waldrig, and I assumed he was going to run away with it. I didn't think he was going to make Mount Doom happen, but... Um, so the whole time I'm just waiting for them to open it. And I'm like, are you going to open it now? Are you going to open it now? What's in there? Is, is it a stick? Is it like, what's, what's in there? And then when, when he does open it and it's the ax, I was like, there it is too late. <laughs> That's yeah. what annoyed me the most. I think I, that was the most annoying thing about the entire episode was that sequence. Um, I loved how all the pre-planning and stuff went into maybe making the mountain and they were trying to get this, this, the sword as the key the whole time. That's what they're looking for. But um, I didn't like the fact that the characters weren't concerned about what they were told was the most important thing. So that, that was just me. Yeah, I bumped on that too. Um, and But along with Lottie, I also missed what was essentially the handoff um, mm. of the real sword. And so I kind of didn't see it coming for that reason where I was like, well, they were in the tavern. Uh, the sword was in the tavern. Then the elves all rode in and the Numenorians, and then that was that. And then, uh, so I, I kind of didn't see how it had gotten out of there. And so it, it, it mostly worked on me as a reversal. Um, I had, you know, geological questions about how the volcanic eruption worked. Um, but I did think it was a good way to end the episode uh, yeah. where it signals that there's like much, much greater. Um, impact then you know the the scale of this battle is over like a village and a handful of villagers and then it this the volcanic eruption basically just explodes the scale of the action and what's happening and the impact it's going to have on middle earth and it's a very quick way to do that in a way that doesn't feel forced right if the small actions of these sm- relatively small group of people here can then create, you know, or lead to a natural disaster, well, then that's going to have far reaching impacts in Middle Earth. And I was wondering how they were going to accomplish that blowout in scale um, because the scope of the story had been relatively small up until this point. So mm-hmm. I think it it didn't feel yeah too sudden or cheap to me it i kind of bought that this would be like a believable way that the scale would get blown up i also want to say i'm sure we'll get more into gladriel and halbrand or maybe we will but mm. the horseback riding stunt work was amazing <laughs> wasn't that really a good. great scene really Loved good yes it. i Such feel like a there's good not callback. enough 
Oh yeah, there's not enough horseback riding action in movies anymore. Like mm. there's there hasn't been some good good horseback riding since like I don't know the, the Fellowship of, of the Ring. <laughs> Fellowship oh, of the Ring comes to mind. Mask of Zorro is also amazing at horseback riding stunt work. But yeah, yeah it was so good to see some horseback riding uh, stunts being done here, and it's all real. It's all great. Um, so really appreciated that aspect. It's one of my favorite things that doesn't get happen often in film so yeah that was a beautiful scene and it was so much like the scene where arwen's riding through the trees being chased by the nazgul from the fellowship of the ring which um, totally. i think i think you all have seen um yes. that yeah that was a really really nice callback and they like to do that they like to do a lot of jackson film callbacks they they also obviously you I, know it is include yeah there it is it's beautiful um and she's whispering to the horse and she's you know going the cameras moving very fast if switching angles it was it was cool it was very um it was fun to watch it was beautiful the i love the choral music and the background and the orchestral mm -hmm. music the music in this episode was oh chef's kiss beautiful um but i do think the galadriel in this episode shined for me um i think her conversations on the boat were really great when she's talking with Isildur, she's talking with Elendil. Even though that's a brief scene, I felt like we finally got, you know, Galadriel connecting on a human level. Um, we've seen just a little bit of it, but it's sort of, she's, we've all on this panel said that she's a frustrating character for us. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts at this, this point in the show on Galadriel because we only have two episodes left. And she is a central character. Is she growing on you? Is she, you know, moving in the right direction? So I, I'd love to get your thoughts on her. I guess for me, she she always kind of worked. I didn't have as much issues with her character or character development as the others, I would say. Um, so I, I love that she finally connected with Isildur. I wanted that to happen for a long time because uh, I feel like they definitely have some kind of destiny together and bigger parts that they play um, together. And that was a really, really nice way how they met. Like you said, they see the sun sunset, sunrise. I'm confused because then after that, um, uh, his, his father comes in and talks about the sun and I was confused because I didn't know if it was the sunrise or sunset anymore. Anyway, um, but she sees the land earlier than him. And um, I love how, how he says, I'm not here to be humbled. Um, I'm actually just wanted to get away. He's super honest about it, even though, you know, it feels like that, that's something he should have said in front of Galadriel. This, everyone is impressed by Galadriel. We see Theo even asks, who's that? Uh, Isildur is impressed with her. So I like now she is this character who everyone kind of knows that some, someone's special. Someone She has an aura that's special. But at the same time, then we get this conversation with Adar where we see a very dark um, part of her where she does the exact same thing that Adar did earlier. She threatens to hurt um, the people that he cares about to get what she wants. And that's the exact same thing they did and that's where we wonder okay is is she better and and when she goes on that path of i'm gonna um kill every single one of your children and i want you to watch it like i don't really that really didn't make i don't know for for me i i was a little disappointed that she said that but it works for the show because we want to see i guess the main thing we want to uh see at the end is that or learn from it is that the the light cannot really exist without the darkness and that's what's yeah what she kind of represents to me right um how far into the darkness will she go to protect yeah. what she loves you know they're they're definitely harping on this theme um galadriel for you john for me um i never totally hated her character um but she was definitely not a favorite up to this episode. She felt very flat, I guess is the best way to put it. Very 2D. She was very single-minded in her purpose and very, she's kind of annoying to watch, I think, in the episodes preceding this. Um, but this one fleshed her out in my mind a whole lot. Like there was, you're now seeing different sides to her, different aspects to her. You're seeing a bit more of the the rage burning inside as well as some of the tenderness with, uh, like like Lottie said, with his sealed door. Um, I 
enjoy her character a lot more after this episode than I did before it. So I think they did a really good job in fleshing her out a bit. Yeah, she's I'm she's growing on me, uh, and I'm never like I've never had a problem with her personally. It's a bit bit about the arc for her character and whether or not it's there. Um, I think I mentioned this uh, maybe in the second episode, but you know when we talk about a character arc, it's a move from a thesis, a way that the character sees the world, mm -hmm. typically then to an antithesis where they swing too far in the other direction. They decide that their first worldview was wrong and they, they're gonna go too far in the other direction. And then by the end, they come to a place of like balance and kind of peace where they, realize that they weren't completely wrong from the start, but there's been a definite change. Um, and they've they've realized, they've taken something else into account and kind of used that to balance their worldview. So I do actually see this as being a move toward the antithesis. I think we're gonna get a lot more darkness from Galadriel. Mm -hmm. And she is sort of moving then from this thesis of like, I am completely good and I am fighting evil um, with a single-minded sort of fury that can't be contained to I'm going to become the evil I am fighting and then hopefully back to this kind of synthesis that we'll see at the end which leads her down the road to where we first meet her in fellowship um so I think we're getting closer to that arc um I wish there was a bit more I wish there were a bit more moments for us to see these character movements in action rather than only in dialogue I still feel like in the action sequences she's this being this like infallible um this in, infallible goodness, you know, like we saw her fighting this battle and she's like being as heroic and perfect and brave as anybody could ever be. And I sort of wish that the inner darkness that we're seeing coming out in this conversation with Adar, I wish we would see that come out in other moments during action sequences. Like if she has this inner darkness, I wish that maybe she had considered letting Halbrand kill him, right? She talks Halbrand down from killing him, like, again, with this sort of single-minded purity to her, and then immediately almost does the same thing, and it felt like too hard of a switch. If she had considered earlier, like, okay, actually, maybe he is evil, or maybe we should just kill him, um, or some other moment earlier in the battle where we saw this inner darkness coming out, it'd be nice to get those character moments in action as well as in dialogue. Mm -hmm. hmm. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think they have tried to paint her as definitely very flawed in the way that she's so pushy and headstrong and really strong arms people into doing what she wants. I mean, she strong armed Halbrand into doing what exactly what she wants to to come back and and be you know, king of the Southlands. Um, but but I think you're right in that we could we could use a little bit more of that with her. Um, and that would sort of it would sort of help us to understand her a little bit more. Um, because people people she is the most controversial character in this series. You know, that's just the the fandom is totally divided over it. Like, do we love her? Do we hate her? And so I think it's I think it's good to get people's uh, reactions. And, and hopefully we are going to see her evolution and see her arc play out. Um, and, and as you said, Trisha, swing back to that middle ground just a little bit more. Um, well, and as I mentioned earlier, I think there still could be a little bit more soul searching from her personally, where we see her question whether or not she's doing the right thing. And we get a little bit of this in that uh, in this episode, which I appreciated. Um, but again, if you had a moment where she gives in to this sort of like um, her hatred of evil, if you will, mm. and behaves in a way that is darker or um, mm -hmm. yeah, more violent than she had intended or whatever, she gets carried away by her zeal then a moment of reflection like, oh my God, I didn't mean to go that far. Um, is this really the right way? Or if we see her, the results of Adar's comment to her of like, oh, who's dark now? Instead of having Halbrand hold her back, why not have her realize, oh yeah, you're right. That's, that's not who I am. That's not the person I want to be. Yeah. So a little bit more of the internal conflict, I think would also be good here. And then the fandom would mutiny when Galadriel... <laughs> 
she would never do that. No. Um, I want to get to some of the fun, surprising twists in this episode before we have to wrap up. What did you guys think about the reveal that they've been, you know, the couple of twisty attorneys, as you mentioned um, at the beginning, with the villagers being the ones who were sent in? Um, that was our first twist. So we'll go there. For me, not totally shocked at all. <laughs> I mean, um, I expected them to be eaten, I think is what we said uh, last week. Um, and when, you know, they weren't, we knew that we knew a couple of them were still around. I assumed that they're going to, they're going to be using them in battle. They're going to, maybe not all of them, but um, I think a lot of the up close shots that they showed during the battle were of actual orcs. Um, there were actual orcs did all the speaking, actual orcs, were were the up close shots and the villagers were more in the background so when they revealed them at the end that they were villagers it was supposed to be a big surprise but to me it wasn't wasn't a total surprise i don't want to say um because there were a lot of people coming down and then again when there were more coming to attack the the village of the second the, the second wave so to speak again that was not a huge shock to me either um i fully expected while well, they're out and they're all cheering and that was too easy way too easy to have a bunch of untrained villagers take on um, a, a massive number by using a few home alone tricks, um, which is which is essentially <laughs> what it was. Um, but you know, I, I didn't I didn't personally think that was a huge twist. I kind of expected it to happen. Yeah, it did surprise me a little bit, just because the show didn't really tip its hand about these might be the villagers um, right up until we saw that that one villager had red blood on him. Um, so it did that part of the reveal did surprise me. The fact that there was a second wave was not a surprise. Um, mm -hmm. I was expecting there to be a lot more orcs. And so the fact that, yeah, they basically then had to immediately retreat to the tavern and basically were facing a hopeless situation. That's just good writing. Um, but I do like the twist of, oh, my God, this is my neighbor that I've killed, right? This yes. is somebody I knew. Yeah. This is somebody that I grew up with. I did find that affecting. Yeah, that was nice. Well, yeah. nice is probably the terrible word to use there. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> yeah, I like the, yeah, that we learned, we're supposed to learn from something from that. Aren't we, you know, that thing where we wonder, right. aren't we just all fighting each, you know, our own somehow, aren't we all somehow connected in this world? Cause we're, we're sharing this world together. Um, what for me, it was one of the things that didn't seem, I think the reveal that once they're all dead, then they discover it. I think if I imagine villagers never really fought their own before, they just a few days ago said, okay, I'm going to give in. I I'm too scared. I'm just going to fight with, the bad guys right now um i feel like in battle if they're facing death by their own i think some of them would have like just removed their helmet and said it's mm -hmm. me please don't kill me because that's that's what for me made it more uh, less realistic that they just found out at the end but i see how it works well for the surprise moment and mm -hmm. oh now now we have to fight the real orcs in a few hours so yeah yeah Speaking of real orcs, this was my co-host of Watch Party um, podcast, the Watch Party Lord of the Rings podcast, and I got into it about the Hulk orc scene. Um, I did not like it. I thought it was way too long. So question for the super chat and question for the panel. Um, Hulk orc fight scene. Thumbs up or thumbs down to Marvel movie to or did it work for you? You liked it. You enjoyed it. You mean the orc that didn't have the, any weapon. He didn't have any weapons. He just used his own body and yes, when he's beating yeah. up a rondier. Way too long. I agree. Yeah, same thoughts during the show. Yeah, and I was like, wow, so lucky for a rondier that he didn't have any weapons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I felt like I was watching three hundred with you know the behemoth, almost exactly the same character. Uh, that, that's what it seemed like for me. Uh, but yeah, no, I agree with Lottie. A little too long. Very lucky for Ron Deere that all he wanted to do is pick him up and toss him into some things. Um, I, yeah. I well, think it would have been me, good if if they used him a little bit differently, but I know why they did it, I guess. It, it, probably cheaper to show a fight between the main one of the main characters and one person than a huge battle scene. 
Someone in the super chat said if Bron uh, Devil's Advocate says if Bronwyn would have died after saving him, um, that would have hit a little bit harder. It would have had packed more of a punch. Oh, that's brutal, though. I'm so glad Bronwyn didn't yeah. die. <laughs> this it's too early. I think it's too early personally for Bronwyn to to kick the bucket. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I agree with that, and I'm glad that that it didn't go down that way. Although. There are some there are some silly little tropey things in here that I bumped on that are just like film tropes. And one of them is a shoulder wound. Like mm. I was like, oh, it's a shoulder wound. Everybody, she's fine. It's fine. Everybody is yeah, shot on the shoulder. They're okay. Um, so there's that. She'll be fighting next episode. She'll be fine. Yeah, no, she'll be totally fine. Ever shoulder wounds are not real. Um <laughs> in movies. And then also the the like one really big guy. There's always one really big bad guy, right? There's like Indiana Jones always <laughs> has to fight one really big Nazi um, who just loves fist fighting. Uh, like that's his that's his deal, um, and that's how this felt to me. Also, I didn't. I actually liked a lot of the choreography itself, but the fact that they shot a lot of it in like a oneer, right? The necessity of doing like a one shot one take there was a long oneer in there means that it has to be stitched together and cgi'd because the only way to show it in one shot uh, if it were stunt work you'd have to show it in you'd have to cut it um mm. and the fact that it's a oneer and not a oneer with a static camera where the camera's back and we can kind of see the entire fight choreography like you would do in like a classic kung fu movie or something the fact that it's a oneer with the camera zooming around them immediately signals to my brain that this is CGI. And that's when I start to bump on it. And so it's not the choreography that I didn't like, or even the tropiness of it. Although I did bump on that. It was the decision to do it a lot of CGI to stitch that together, to get that long one or, and, and zoom around them with the camera and everything. So it, it helps. It helps that they did it at night. So they could yes, kind it of disguise it. it they can, they can muddy it a bit, but yeah, no, I understand. Yeah. Well, panel, I think we're nearing the end, but before we let all my fantastic newbies go and turn it over to the lore panel, I want to get um, predictions. So let's stick with, um, actually, you could do predictions about anyone. We can include the people we didn't get to see in this in this episode, um, if you like, um, but predictions for what happens next, either with the characters or the story, either one, any of them. Um, let's start with John. Predictions. So we have two episodes left, right? Two? Right. Correct. Okay. That's not much. Um, and right now, the only antagonist we have is Adar and his orcs, I think. Like, truly. I mean, there's there's some questions about some other people's motivations, but the, the in-your-face bad guy is Adar. So I'm going to say that in the next episode, we are not probably not going to see any of Bromwyn or uh, Rondir, Theo, uh, none of them. I think we're going to go back to uh, the dwarves and the, the elves and a little bit more of the, the Harfoots. Um, I think you'll see the forge be completed around the same time that Mount Doom erupts, so to speak. I think we'll probably see something like that. Uh, and then the final episode, I don't think that all the storylines are going to join together um, unless what they do is they take Gladriel takes everyone and they, they kind of retreat back to Elven lands. And that's, that's the last episode. Um, and that Adar builds up an orc starts building up an orc army. I, I'm not quite sure how they're going to stitch the two of them together other than Gladriel retreating uh, with everyone back out of the Southlands. But that's, that's, that's my prediction that they'll probably retreat. They'll go back. They'll meet the other elves and the forge will be completed around the same time. And they'll start thinking of making weapons to fight this new enemy. That's my guess. Mm, I'm personally excited to return to the Harfoots and the dwarves and the elves. Um, let's go to Lottie. Predictions. Yeah, me too. I, I can't wait to see uh, both of them again. I think we're going to see, because we had one little scene where some weird folks was, they were um, looking for the stranger. And that was just one little scene. I was wondering, yeah. why don't we see mm -hmm. the more... I was expecting that, so I feel like that's going to be also a task for the Harfoots. Maybe, mm -hmm. yeah, encountering them. And and um, I don't know if we're fully going to get the answer who the stranger is this, uh, this season. But um, I do think after this episode, 
I know you don't want it, but I do think uh, it's going to be Halbrand who is Sauron because it made me think about Gilgalad, who said when Galadriel um, was, you know, like how she has to be careful that she doesn't bring the darkness with her uh, by obsessing over it. And mm. a lot of things, like also that he doesn't, yeah, I just, I don't want to say more. It's just, I think Helbrand <laughs> is going to be Sauron. Okay. Um, thought that for a while, wasn't sure. After this episode, I do think so. Yeah. Okay. All right. We have one firmly in the camp of Halbrand is Sauron. <laughs> How about you, Trisha? Uh, very similar predictions. Um, we're going to spend the entire episode with um, the Harfoots and the Stranger and the Dwarves and the Elves. Um, and we're going to see the results of the volcanic explosion and... Um, probably a you know potentially an elf retreat or the beginnings of an army starting to form up to actually deal with what's going on um at, at mount doom as the evil forces start to collect at mount doom um again i also am pretty sure that halbrand is sauron which i'm already <gasps> worried about um but we have we could two halbrand is sauron wow. I, I, go go I with mean, three go like, with three I, <laughs> Three? We have a hundred percent of the newbie panel. Breaking news, folks! A hundred percent of the newbie panel says. Don't that. make it a thing, Jen. Like it's not. A bit, like, I'm, not <laughs> I'm not willing to put money. Like I don't have any money to spend on this. Um, so, but but probably. Um, and I, I think I do think that. You know, I think in the last episode I said we wouldn't get the answer to that, or we might not get the answer to that in this season. It does seem like they're going to give it to us this season. Um, but maybe not with Meteor Man. Maybe we won't know who Meteor Man is. Um, and some other, they'll, they will raise, they will raise some other questions that they will not answer in this season. All right. Good predictions. Good um, theorizing. I, as always, I so enjoy talking to you three every week. Um, we will miss a few of you next week, I believe. Um, yes, I will not be here. Trisha will not be here and John will not be here. I'm going to be here. <laughs> Lottie, Lottie for the win. Um, we will also bring in another newbie um, as a sub, but you two will be sorely missed. Thank you for your uh, wonderful, wonderful thoughts and um, speculations this week. And with that, I think we are going to wrap it up. We're going to turn it over to our lore panel now. They're going to go deep, deep, deep into the lore. They're going to talk about this episode, tear it apart, dissect it. So if you if you want spoilers and you want more book lore, uh, tune in now. We're going to hand it to hand it off to to Mike Rowland, who is the co-host of Watch Party Network. Um, thank you, newbies, so much. And we will see you not next week, but the week after. Uh, John and Trisha and. Lottie, I will see your lovely face next week. And thank you to everybody in the super chat. It is it is really hopping, popping off. I can hardly keep up. Um, but as always, we appreciate you guys uh, participating. I know there's there's some folks there who are also in the, of course, Hal Brandis Sauron camp. I'm seeing that um, come up pretty frequently. It's still controversial, but um, yeah, thank you, everybody. Thank you to um, Fellowship of Fans for hosting, as always. And we will see you next time. Thank Bye. you, Jen. Thanks. Bye. Thank you.